you know, you're going to be put into situations where like the only way you're coming out of that on the upside is if every person on your team does what they're supposed to do and executes and does the thing that they're supposed to do. And that's a really tough spot to be in to have that level of trust in anybody. We also build that understanding of trust the whole way through. If I had a whole bunch of top notch people, unless we've been training together for a long time, you'll start seeing initially that fight for power, if you will. They'll, they'll struggle for authority and we don't need that in a team. What you need is a cohesive team and to build a cohesive team, you got to build that trust. And for me to be able to rely on somebody, I got to give them a chance to fail. Uh, oftentimes in the military, you have to learn how to be to adapt and it allows you that way to say, okay, this was the plan, but now something else has changed. You know, the best laid plans go to waste as soon as the boots hit the ground. So not saying don't have a plan, but <laughs> just be ready to be adapt and overcome. Three, two, one. In. Welcome back to the No Half Cakes podcast. With me today is a man who was placed in my life, I believe, uh, no accident. I have, uh, if you know anything about my history, uh, this business that I'm running here, Hardcore Growth, used to be called by a different name, um, a name that is near and dear to my heart because it's my own name, uh, Jay Lewis. And never in my life have I met anyone actually named Jay Lewis up until now. Uh, and this man, let me tell you something, is not just an awesome name. He is an awesome heart an awesome friend, uh, and one of the most grateful people I have ever met. And uh, it is my pleasure today to bring to you the one and only Jay Lewis. So Jay, uh, I just want to thank you first and foremost for making the time to be with me here today and to have this conversation because I already know it's going to be something that's people feeling good. And uh, man, I, I have to give you honor in the fact that anytime we have these conversations, I just leave feeling good. So thank you for being a, just a spreader of goodness, man. You're one of a kind. Man, thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. That is, that is a great introduction. Uh, you know, I just want to say thank you as well. You know, you've brought so much to the table and so much to, into my life. I have truly impacted it. And so, you know, that goes into just saying how thankful I am. You know, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've just been on my own or been on, you know, just by myself and having uh, people to share life with and do life with and go through life with and other men to be able to talk to has really impacted my life in such a positive way. So thank you for that. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. I, I feel like it's, it's, it's our duty and responsibility to stand up as a lighthouse for other people to, to understand, hey, this is what's possible. Um, you know, it's normal to feel these things. Uh, this is what life is supposed to look like. It's not just this picture we see on social media, but like the feelings that we feel. I'm not alone, right? I'm not the only one who struggles with stuff. I'm not the only one who has things going on in life. And there's other people, uh, you know, that, that feel these same things too. And they're carrying on. And, you know, I think that the relationships we can build and, and the more we can get around other people, to not only see what's possible, but to lean on in situations where, hey, sometimes life's going to throw you a curveball and you find yourself in a valley of sorts. Like, you got to have people in your corner who you can call and lean on to, to be there for you and to help guide you back up to the top of the mountain. Um, <clears throat> and you've always been one of those people for me. Uh, I strive to be one of those people for you and all the people who are listening here today. So I 100% agree. You know, speaking of what you said there with, with uh, just with relationships. And uh, it got me thinking about being intentional with relationships. And a few years back, I was I was uh, at a schoolhouse uh, training, going through some training, and we had a we had a like a four day weekend. And at the time, my family was like really far 
away from me. I was on the opposite side of the country. She really just couldn't fly over, fly back. It was just, it was going to be really far. So I thought, let me be intentional with additional relationships. And I started thinking about what type of family haven't I really invested time in. Um, let me go out and invest some time into my family um, in the local area. And so I drove up. <laughs> it was kind of awkward because I didn't have anyone's phone numbers. I just knew from childhood uh, where they lived. And so I looked up and I said, man, you know what? I have an aunt that lives in this town. I'm going to go see if they're still there. So on a whim, I, I hop in the car, drive, I think it was like four hours, <laughs> drive up four hours to go see my aunt. And uh, I, I see a house and I'm like, man, I, I believe this house is their house. So I was like, just showing up. I was like, I'm just going to show up and be intentional and, and invest in them. And I was hoping that the house was correct. So I called um, a number that I saw because they had a Harley Davidson <laughs> sitting right on their lawn and the number on the Harley. And I was like, I don't remember my uncle ever having a Harley, but let me just give this number a call. The The person on the other end of the line answers um, through their voicemail. And I'm like, that does not sound like my uncle, but I'll just leave a voicemail anyway. Within like, I don't know, 10 minutes, I get this phone call back and it's my aunt. And she's like, oh my goodness, are you at my house? My neighbor just called me. We have his motorcycle for sale on our front lawn. And where did you get the number? I was like, yeah, I'm actually out front of the house. Is this still your house? And she was like, yeah, it absolutely is. We're actually down the street. We'll be home in a few minutes. And she was so excited to see me. And I hadn't seen her, I mean, in probably 10, 15 years. Like, it's been a long time. And she was so welcoming and so warm. And uh, they had brought me in and, and just showed that that investment, that time that I, uh, I showed to be intentional with them, they were so um, reception, like reciprocal of that. They were so like grateful for that. They were so excited for that, uh, that they brought me in. They said, Hey, you know what? Why don't you stick around for a while? We just came from the store. We'll cook up a good meal. We got this whole diet plan that we're trying. I was like, ah, sure. Why not? You know? And so we're having these great conversations and we're sitting around the table for probably like, I don't know, two or three hours, but uh, about two hours, just eating, enjoying each other's company. And at the end, uh, when dinner was done, one of the things that really was in my heart was I was like, you know, here they are. They made me this meal. They're not asking of anything from me. I'm not asking anything from them. Um, but my father had taught me, hey, one of the things to do is to show respect is to help out with with the cleanup. I mean, you provided they provided you this meal. At least I could do is is help them clean up. So we clear the table. And I turn on the sink and I start getting the dishes ready. And my aunt, she comes over and she's like, no, no, I got this. Don't worry about it. And I was like, no, let me help. You know, I, I really want to be respectful to you. Um, I want to show you this. This is something that I learned from my father, which is her brother. So she's like, yeah, but here's the thing. I like doing dishes. And I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, I actually like doing these dishes. And I'd prefer if you did it. And I was like, that's I want to know more. So I was like, please tell me, why do you like doing dishes? And she was like, years ago, when my kids were growing up, I used to get so angry at my husband that he wouldn't help out. He'd come in from work and I made dinner. I'm watching the kids all day. My kids would go off and do things. They'd leave me stuck with all these dishes in the sink. Everything's dirty. And I used to get so angry at that. And she's like, one day I just realized why am I allowing something like dirty dishes to frustrate me and get me angry at my children at the angry at the people that I love? They're just dishes. She's like, then she said, I wanted to flip it. And so she said at that time in her, her life is when she decided, she said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and think about this. What do these dirty dishes represent? And these are the outcome 
of us having food. This is the outcome of my husband really working hard to get us dishes and a house and a, you know, a place that we can eat, a place that we have a roof over our head, somewhere to put the dishes. We have a sink. We have water. <laughs> we have all these things because we've all chimed in. We've all done our part to get to a point where we now have dirty dishes. So she said, by watching this, it keeps me humble and realize how much energy went into this. And it wasn't just me preparing the meal, but everybody had a, a uh, point or had a part in this role of making these dishes and she said ever since then i find joy in doing dirty dishes man that hit me so hard i was like wow that just i don't know i was amazed i was like man what kind of who who does it wow that just really got me thinking i was like what are the dirty dishes in my life where are those areas that i'm allowing myself to be angry at the ones that i love rather than seeing what they've brought to the table you know, and it just, it hit me so hard. But I was so thankful for that. So grateful for her little lessons that I learned of just stepping out and being intentional with my relationships. And it spawned growth, you know, in a way that I did not expect. <laughs> man, that is such, <clears throat> such a powerful story and such a, an attitude of gratitude that I think, man, the first time you told me that story, I got goosebumps and just now hearing it again, like same thing. It's such, such an amazing perspective to have and to be able to just stop and look at where did this come from and what am I grateful for? And I think so often we get stuck just living in the moment and being frustrated by, oh, I got a sink full of dirty dishes I have to do, or uh, I, I have to go cut the grass. And it's not always a have to do, it's a get to, right? It's, it's not, I have to cut the grass, get to cut the grass. I have a house with a lawn, I have a piece totally, of property. Yes, I can that's it. And there's so many things in our life that we look to as a have to, I have to do this or I have to do that. But when you can stop and, and reframe it and give it that perspective of gratitude for what it represents in your life and how it got there and all the things that are connected to it, it gives you such a better place to just live from. And there's so much joy in living with gratitude. And, you know, there is a study done and I forget the exact person to cite, so I'll look it up. But the same part of your brain which processes anxiety also processes gratitude. And you are physically incapable of processing both at the same time. So when you can make gratitude an active process that you are actively engaging in intentional gratitude, you physically cannot be anxious at the same time. And I think that's such an important part of living a no half cake life of living a life that you get to be where your feet are, where you get to be present, you get to enjoy the things like the fruit of your labor, you get to enjoy your family and everything going on and not worrying about uh, all the stuff you have to do. And man, it's such a good story. And I thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh man, you're welcome. And you know, you nailed it. I mean, having that attitude of gratitude and just being able to look at all those little things in your life and saying, man, you know what? I can either let this frustrate me and take me down a path that leads to anger, destruction, frustration, or I can use it as a way of building myself up, building others up around me and just being, being a, a, a good person to be around, you know, and that's just so, so great, you know, and I appreciate that, you know, that just being able to share these stories and understand those things is, is so good, man. So good. I mean, like you said, mowing the grass, you know, I get to mow the grass. <laughs> so when you don't have that. Sometimes you miss it, you know, you, You'll be like, you know what? Take it all away. And you're you're looking at the, the sink and you're like, maybe, maybe it would be nice to see a couple extra plates in there knowing that the family is around. Or that grass is out there nice and cut because of the lawnmower I got in the backyard. But, you know, it's it's nice when you take a step back and have that attitude of gratitude. Yeah, it is. And, and a lot of times we don't stop to think about that until it's too late. 
right? Until, hey, we don't stop to think about, man, I wish my kids were leaving dirty clothes on the floor because now they're in college and I don't have that anymore, right? And now you have uh, all this time to stop and think about what you wish you had back again. But in the moment, you're so caught up and frustrated by the fact that, hey, they're not listening or, hey, this person's doing that or, or this is going on because you're stuck in just seeing the negative part of things. And it really takes a tremendous amount of active work to develop that mindset and that perspective of gratitude. But it is hands down one of the most important investments I think anyone can make is just to really strengthen that. Um, with that in mind, this attitude of gratitude that, that you bring constantly, has that always been a thing for you or like uh, for you in your life, where did that really develop? Like take me back a little bit into the formative years of, of Jay Lewis. So I think a lot of that, I would have to say no. You know, I didn't have the attitude of gratitude. Uh, for the longest time, I had the attitude of, responsibility. I had the attitude of, I have to do this. And it's just something I have to do. I didn't really look at like the positives of, Hey, why am I doing this? How do I get to do this? I just looked at it as great. Just one more fire to put out one more task to do one more way of not getting help. But you know, there's a lot of, as a young, young kid, you know, I, I took on a lot of responsibility and kind of went down this go it alone type thing. Um, and I think that kind of drove my sense of, um, responsibility over, over everything else. Let me just get it done. I can only trust me. Um, and then that leads you towards frustration and anger towards others. Um, I, I don't think it was until, honestly, it really wasn't until my aunt told me this, you know, until speaking with my aunt, it wasn't until I actually was able to hear what she said and change my whole perspective. I just knew that being intentional with the relationship that I had um, to grow that relationship with my aunt, to grow that relationship with the family on that side of, uh, of my family, um, to be able to be intentional and grow that side of the family was a big part of it. And then when I got into the family and realized, wow, being intentional for once rather than doing something out of responsibility, I didn't have to go and be intentional and develop that relationship. I didn't have to go invest time with them. But by doing so, it showed me, hey, look, you can learn a lot from other people, um, especially those in your lives who love you. And for them to show unconditional love, uh, you know, that was a shock to me. I, I'm usually used to being loved for what I do, not for just being me. I'm so used to just, hey, I love you because you're great at taking care of things. I love you because you always have a plan. That's not really love. That's appreciation. But to show up at, you know, a family member's house, unannounced, free meal, <laughs> you know, and just good conversation, not only do they bring the conversation, bring the meal, bring the attitude of, you know, show me this attitude of gratitude. Um, they also offered their house to me for the next few nights. They're like, no, you're not staying anywhere else except here. We have a room for you. Uh, we, we are willing to accept you in and show, they showed me so much love and so little time. And it was just, it was so amazing. And that changed a whole perspective I had on a lot of things. Um, I took that same concept and started implementing that in my life in other ways. I started looking at why is it, instead of why is it where I'm at? And why is it this happening to me? To, okay, this is happening and this is this can be a good thing. Um, what, what is the positive outcome of this? How can I change this outlook? Um, you know, that was really good because a few years <laughs> down the road, I started, you know, being a military guy, I started getting some deployments in and... Deployments, you know, being away from your family for so long can really have an effect on you. But you have to have that attitude of gratitude. I love how you said the attitude of gratitude. I love it, man. 
But to sit there and say, okay, well, I can be thankful that I'm here and I have a family to defend. I, I have freedoms that I get to defend. I have a family that I get to come home to. And then I have a God that loves me. And that was the biggest change you know, where I could see in my life over time that had happened. And since then, it's just been like, hey, okay, what can I... How can I be positive? Now, my wife, she gets a little frustrated sometimes. She's like, you're, <laughs> she's a great woman. But since she's like, you're a little too positive. I'm like, okay, okay. I'll, I'll tone it down. Try to look at some, I'll tone it, reel it back a minute and look at some reality check here. But, um, you know, that was just where I'm at in life. And I really think that's, that's kind of where I, where I'm at now. Um, I think I'm trying to convert that attitude of gratitude into, into a next step. And for me, what does that next step look like? And I think a lot of that next step is faith. It's actually trusting in God that he'll take care of me. That he'll, that as long as I'm working towards his purpose, that he's going to make sure that those plans are going to um, happen. Uh, and lately I've taken on some big steps, some steps that, you know, the planning side of me, that responsibility side of me normally would not take. Um, I've affected a lot of lives in what I'm seeing right now is a positive way. I didn't know how I was going to affect them. I didn't know anything with how it was going to work. Um, I'm used to plans and things laid out in sequence and understanding all the cards that are on the table and being able to, to move the, the pieces around on the chessboard. Um, but lately, over the last, I don't know, I'd say over this last year has been such a devotion to relying solely on God. Um, I think for me, that's my next step. It's a good step to take, man. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, as you're kind of talking that out, I'm thinking about doing what you do and, and serving in the military. You have to you have to have faith in in God, but also your team around you. Like, you can only control so much of what you do. And, you know, you're going to be put into situations where, like, the only way you're coming out of that on the upside is if every person on your team does what they're supposed to do and executes and does the thing that they're supposed to do. And that's a really tough spot to be in to have that level of trust in anybody. Uh, you know, when you look at partnerships and relationships, I think, you know, I've talked about this before, one of the, the most important parts about a successful partnership or relationship is the ability to put the other person first and have trust that the other person is doing the same for you. And a lot of people struggle with that because we we, we are so nervous about getting our own needs met that a lot of times we can't 100% let go of covering our own needs to focus our efforts on serving the other person first, entrusting the fact that they're going to do the same for us. And I'm just, I'm curious for your thoughts from both, both a personal and professional level. How do you see trust like that being built? Like where does that trust develop? I think the trust, the trust is built through intention and then through action with each other, interaction. So a lot of times for us, what I'll do, uh, especially, you know, on the professional side is I start identifying my team and I, I start looking for qualities in my team members. Uh, often in the position I'm in, I get to choose my team member and I don't always choose the number one candidate. I don't always choose the best. And there's a reason for that. A lot of times if I'm choosing a six man team, um, four of those team members are going to be the professional. They're going to be the top notch. But two of those are coming along so they can learn. So that way we have the knowledge and we build this team and we build this cohesiveness. But we also build that understanding of trust the whole way through. If I had a whole bunch of top notch people, um, I've seen when I bring a lot of people together that are all super professional, unless we've been training together for a long time, you'll start seeing initially that, that um, fight for power, if you will. They'll, they'll struggle for authority. 
And we don't need that in a team. What you need is a cohesive team. And to build a cohesive team, you got to build that trust. And for me to be able to rely on somebody, I've got to give them a chance to fail. So when we're building up our team, I build up someone who's really good. And I build up someone who's bring someone along who's not that that well-trained. And then we walk through the program or we walk through the, the process of what we're going to do. And we start playing out the scenarios. We start building building our team and then seeing what, how we react. And we give opportunity for those that aren't in the top portion of their career to have an opportunity to fail and make a mistake um, and move forward. And that's what I, we, we would look at the acceptable risk. How much risk adverse am I for this mission? And how much risk can I, am I willing to accept? And then look at that risk level and say, okay, I'm willing to accept X amount of risk, and this is my team. Does this team meet that risk level, and do I think that they can accomplish the mission? Now, the same side on the, you know, on my, um, in my life, I look at the same, the same ways. I'm looking towards who in my life do I want in my life to be on my inner circle and my inner team. Who can I bring in that a knows more than me, is as good as me, or or as knowledgeable as me in this, and who can I bring along? Who, who needs to learn? Um, so I try to look at that across the board. Who has had the experiences that I'm looking forward to or, or about to have? Um, so there's somebody to look up to then and learn from. Who is on, who's my peer group that we can bond together and go through something tough together? And then who is that person that, that's learning behind me? Who is Who am I leaving a legacy to? Who is going to bring that knowledge forward to the next group? Because uh, what I've learned in groups is you don't always stay the same group all the time. Your group is always growing and maturing. And for this season, I think that's where I'm at is just saying, okay, which, what does my group look like? What is that consisted of in my, you know, from my family? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it spiritual mentors? Um, and then build that team. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> so actually really it did. And it's actually a, an eye opening answer because I didn't expect it to be, um, didn't expect it to be that honestly, you know, the initial thought would be the expectation is, you know, you have to go out and execute on a mission. You want <clears throat> always, uh, the best of the best. And I think a lot of times, you know, from a business perspective, you look at it like, Hey, how can I find the number one person at this role and bring them in and let them go execute. And oftentimes I think people get a little bit too stuck with finding the skill and forgetting about the character of the person and forgetting about the legacy and the long-term plan. Um, you know, I think it's very interesting to hear at the level of stakes you're playing at, um, you know, it was, I think significantly more important than how well a social media team executes a Facebook post. But um, considering that you want to add in a tolerable level of risk for the greater good long-term, you know, understanding that there's a, a longer term game here than just what's right in front of your face and, and being willing to maybe sacrifice a little bit up front, right? To not have, not care who gets the credit, but to build a team that's going to, that's going to multiply out and, uh, you know, pass the message on to other people and other teams and kind of create that legacy that's going to carry forward. Man, it was actually a very interesting perspective. I didn't really expect. Well, I'm, I'm glad I could bring that to the table, you know, that's that's the joy of having somebody to, that's from a different point of view or a different perspective to be able to inject in, into this situation. Um, I think for a long of the stuff that I would do when I would go on these missions, when you're looking at a mission, you're bring you're building your team. But as you're building your team, you also understand that you're teaching somebody. And when you're teaching somebody, you're learning as well. Um, I find I learn more by teaching somebody than just going out and doing it on my own. Um, I learn so much by teaching people. So. Uh, you know, that, that's always been a, a great aspect of the situations that I'm in and something that I've always enjoyed doing. So it's just watching someone else develop and grow, but also 
being able to reach up higher and pull that knowledge down from someone who's been there before. Uh, and then watching watching the outcome develop, watching that team grow together and build trust in each other. Because when your team starts working, you start le- learning who... When you have a team that's diverse in knowledge and skills, each person brings something different to the table in a way that's not expected. And a lot of times that ends up building a stronger cohesive team than that of just a whole bunch of professionals in their particular field. That and you also get the shared understanding. For us, a big key is a shared understanding and a vision. When you understand in the military, they call uh, it would be like the commander's intent. So when the, you have the absence of orders or the absence of guidance and direction of saying, hey, this is what needs to happen, you understand the overall intent and say, okay, the overall intent is X, Y, Z, um, but we have no instruction on how to get to X, Y, Z. But if you know that that's the outcome you want, then you can pull from your diverse team and figure out how to get there. So that's something that I've always enjoyed. You bring up a good point. I want to expand on more because I think that's a really important point that, man, there's so many gold nuggets in that. I want to start pulling them out. How important do you think in the scheme of things, the general's intent is like casting a really clear vision compared to giving specific instructions on these go execute X, Y, and Z. Because to me, I see so many parallels between both professional and personal from business to family where having a clear vision that is uh, vocalized really well that everyone on the team understands this is the vision. I think that's the number one most important thing. And once you can uh, really just explain the vision and get everyone on the same page for where it is we are expected to be, then you trust in those people to go find a way to execute. And man, I see so many just uh, parallels between what you just said and hopefully what I re-explained well if I did that accurately uh, between running a business running a family and it's it's a point that is missed so often so I, I would just love for you to expand on, on how important that is so I think you nailed it having having a, a clear vision uh, and you know for us would be <clears throat> sitting there and understanding your vision and then making a mission statement comes after so it's almost this no different than in a business um, you know a general a general's overall vision could be one or two sentences. This is what we want to accomplish. Done. Now the operations order comes after your mission statement. You might have a vision, a mission statement, and then an operation order. Same within business, you would have the vision, then you'd have your mission statement, and then you'd have your business plan. But uh, oftentimes in the military, you have to learn how to be a, to adapt. And understanding where that vision is allows you to be able to have that freedom of adaptation. It allows you that way to say, okay, this is where we're headed. Um, how do we get there? This was the plan, but now something else has changed. You know, the best laid plans go to waste as soon as the boots hit the ground. So not saying don't have a plan, but <laughs> just be ready to be adapt and overcome. Yeah, it's, it's really important because I think, <clears throat> man, how many times we have a plan that doesn't pan out the minute we try and implement it is probably near a hundred percent. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people get frustrated in that point and then either give up or get pissed off at the people who, who they hired to go execute that plan. Uh, or you start to get resentful to your wife because she didn't do X, Y, and Z. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, we're putting too many expectations on the plan and not enough emphasis on the vision. That's exactly right. You know, if you have that vision, then the plan can adapt. Cause if, if you have a clear vision as it, as the scenario changes, your plan can adapt. But if you focus on all the failures of 
what happened in the plan, what didn't happen. And you're just focused on that. You're not focused on the vision anymore. So you're at a standstill. You're at a halt. And that's that's detrimental to a military unit, let alone, you know, a business. So I think you nailed it. How, thank you. How well do you think that translates to family life? Like, I, I know being in the military is not easy on a family based on relocating and, you know, being away for an extended period of time and all the... <laughs> You know, things that come with that, it's a heavy burden to carry. And I'm just, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, how that vision and leadership translates into leading a family. So it's, it's interesting you, you mentioned that for years, the, one of the arguments, or I, I should say, um, strong discussions I would have with my wife was she would be upset. You're, you know, running this, you know, family like the military. And I was like, not even close. I was like, I'm not doing that. And then we had a, a few years ago, we talked about it and said, what if we did try to run it like we would the military? What if we did create a, a family vision, a mission, a plan? And look, what do we, where do we see ourselves cast vision and say, what does this family look like? And look at that over a, a period of time and start running it like that. And so once we started involving God and we started praying a lot about, okay, where, where, where should our family be led? We would come back and we'd start talking about it and we started having a family vision. We said, okay, what is our family vision? What? And let's just look at our vision over the next, you know, five years. Where? What is our goal in the next five years? Where do we want to be? And what do we want to see our, our family? What is the ultimate end goal of our family? Do we want to be the family that raises children and children go off and spread all over the earth? Or do we want to be the family that they go out into the world and come back for Sunday dinner, you know, um, nothing, I'm not saying either is right or wrong, but what is that plan or vision for our family? And so once we start developing that, we're able to, to start making choices and directing our prayers towards the, what God, understanding what God's intent is to get us to that vision, if that vision is what he wants. And once we came up with it, we prayed about it and we kept our vision simple. And when you keep it simple, it allows for you to be able to really listen to what God wants and still meet your vision because it's what he put in your heart. At least in our family, that's what it was. And sometimes you're going to go through the valleys. Sometimes you're going to go through those hard times, uh, especially, you know, being a military family. We have a lot of challenges. I'm not, I don't know other families. I'm sure they have challenges. Um, but with the challenges that we face are, are unique to the military. Um, and so when you, you start looking at that as says, how do we overcome these challenges when we try to go it alone without a vision, without a mission, without God involved in our life, without him being the driver for what we do, then we fail. Every time that we've tried to go it alone or do it on our own without discussing it with each other and building that team, we failed. But when we started involving the team and we started looking at our family as Hey, we're the, we're the team, you know, how do we involve our family? How, what is God's purpose for our family? And if, you know, as long as my XO, my executive officer, my, my wife is on my side and we're developing this plan and knocking it out, then we always bring it to God and he shows us, Hey, look, this is the direction I want you. And oftentimes her and I will separate, pray it out alone and then pray it together and then come up with the plan. And so far when we tried it, I mean, this is, so recent since we tried this year we've made some amazing um amazing choices that are all on faith and it has been so great that even though my wife and i right now are 2000 miles apart i feel more connected to her now than i ever have and that is all just because of that shared vision 
that shared belief, that mission that we're on. We're a family on mission, and that mission is for God's intent to execute what his intent is. That's that's so powerful. And, and I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is, I think, to have that trust in your partner and to be able to develop that. Because man, I think a lot of people look at, again, whether it's personal or professional, when you're in some type of, of relationship with someone else, this feeling of, I have to be able to do it myself so I can control the controllables all myself, right? And, and not hope or trust that the other person on the other side is going to be able to execute it the way that I want it executed. And I think when we are able to remove the expectation of how I want it executed, because again, like it's not the how, it's the what, right? It's the vision, not the actual plan. I think we, listen, I do myself often, uh, still struggle with the expectation of how I want something done. But to be able to take a step back and look at, do I really care about how it gets done? Or is it accomplishing the mission, right? Is it getting us closer to the vision? And uh, that that alone right there is a nugget, man. That's a good one. Man, I'm, I'm so enjoying this conversation with you. It's just, it just helps you grow and get things out so much to be able to talk to another man and say, hey, look, you know, especially someone who has... The knowledge and understanding that you bring to the table, the faith in God, that's number one for me in my household. And I know that's the same for you. And it's just to be able to bring that and, and help others along the way is just so great. And I'm so thankful for that. I can't, I can't help but to be thankful. It's that attitude, that attitude of gratitude, brother. Attitude of gratitude, man. You got it. And it's it's infectious. So I'm, I'm happy to catch it. But look, let's keep it real, man. We just got off another call right before this one where, look, I shared with you, uh, you know, I'm I'm standing up in a valley right now. And, you know, I think it's it's a conversation people don't have enough of uh, publicly. And there's not enough of this level of vulnerability with men particularly, but people in leadership roles where there's this expectation that you've got to be the one that has everything figured out, right? You're, you're just full of confidence and answers and you always know what's going on. You're not allowed to be ever struggling. You're not allowed to ever have doubt or concerns or frustrations or ever need to lean on someone else for support. And it's, it's just not true. And I, look, I truly believe that having people in your life who have different perspectives, who have different skill sets, who can be on your team, right? When you have that same clear vision, and maybe you and I are not necessarily executing the same family vision, right? I'm sure I have a different vision for my family than you have for yours. But I think we have a similar set of core values where we're here both looking to stand up as lighthouses of possibility for other people, right? To stand up and be like, hey, when you do this and that, when you live your life in such a way, right? Where you honor God, you honor your family, you honor this and that, like you, you live in this fashion, you can have all this fruit in your life. You can have these things and, and you can still, you're still going to struggle, right? It's normal to struggle. It's normal to have emotions. It's normal to deal with all this stuff. But when you can have an intentional attitude of gratitude, you can have that faith and that trust. Uh, when you can have a clear vision, uh, it helps you to get through all of these things and not only just get through them, but grow through them. Because look, I'm, I'm asking you another question. When we talked uh, a couple months ago about um, how's life, look, I'm, I'm going to ask you, what was that conversation like when I said, hey, how's life going? Tell me. Ooh, man, that, that was, that was, that was a, some real talk right there. That's what that was. So what ended up happening, you had asked me, I think this is probably, I don't know, second or third call. Like I, I, we had been on together and you had asked me this question twice. The first time you had asked me, you said, how's life? And I gave you an answer. The second time you asked me, hey, Jay, how's your life been going? I gave you the same type of answer, which was I started talking about 
my career. I started talking about what was going on. Hey, this is what I'm going through at work. This is, you know, what's happening. And I know you had looked at me with the most honest question. It wasn't a question. It wasn't a statement that you made that was uh, indictive or, or, or mean or evil intent. It was straight honesty. And you said to me, you said along something along the lines of, is the military your job, how you see your life? Do you view yourself as your work? If so, then that's where I know how to view you as a person. If you think, you know, if you see yourself as, hey, this is, you are your job, then I know how to talk with you. But if you don't, then what's up? And I remember I felt so convicted because I realized at that moment, what I was doing was I was deflecting. I was complaining. I didn't know what to say. Me, a, a guy who likes to talk, didn't know what to really say to, to you. And I was sitting there thinking, man, you know what? You called me out. I'm sitting here not wanting to open up. I'd rather talk about what just happened in my job than what's really going on in my, in my life. And there was so much going on in my life at that time. I mean, this was only about, what, a year ago, maybe. And uh, that actually, that conversation spawned so much more thought in my mind and did lead me down towards, again, going in this path of full trust, um, full trust in what God's got for my life. But a lot of it, was also from that, looking at myself and that reflection and saying, do I see myself as my job or is it something else? And that's when I realized it's about my family, you know, for me to sit there and talk to you about my kids or my wife or my life in general of what's going on and how my walk with God is. And I was like, wow. I was like, man, you called me out, <laughs> but it was so appreciative. I, and that was so much growth in that one, that one statement, that one question that you had. I appreciate that. And and I asked that question because you know, I think it illustrates an important point in that, first of all, when you love someone and you want to honor them, having the difficult conversations and, and holding them accountable to stuff, that's love. Like that's leadership is, is holding someone accountable to what they are truly capable of. And, you know, I think a lot of times we look around and we see possibility in other people, but we shy away from having that conversation because it's uncomfortable. And we're worried about, ah, oh, man, maybe I won't say it because I'm, I'm afraid of what that conversation is going to be like, or I don't want to be judged. But man, this is just encouragement. If you see someone in your life that you see possibility or you see something that they can grow from, be willing to stand up and have that conversation because look, it might be, you know, it might be the initiative that they need to take the next step and to grow and to, and to go further. And look, I, I just see so many people who are afraid to be truly themselves, who are afraid to stand up and, and just be open and raw and real. And I, I just want to continue to push that forward where more people have the permission to show up as themselves and stop worrying about who's going to judge, who's going to hate, because people are going to judge and hate and criticize you regardless. doesn't matter what you do. So if, if you're on a mission to share and to inspire and to uplift other people and to and to really just better the people around you, then keep doing it. And I just wanted to really just share that as coming from you, just a little evidence of what can happen when you hold people accountable, when you get around people who are willing to be their authentic self and to lift other people up. And uh, man, I credit you for doing the work. Look, you did the work. I asked the question. I, I said maybe like 10 words, right? <laughs> what happened over the next 12 months after that, that's on you. You were willing oh, yeah. to do the work. You got ownership of it. You know, uh, I look at that and, and you can look at what like you said, you know, is taking that moment to step it up. My aunt, she didn't have to tell me why she liked doing dishes. She could have just kicked me out of her, her kitchen. You know, you didn't have to sit there and ask me this direct question, but your intent 
to get to know who I was as a person was the intent. You, you were very intentional. I want to know who you are. And that spoke loudly to me. Here's somebody, you know, like my aunt didn't have to accept me into her house, didn't have to take care of me, didn't have to show, open herself up to me. You didn't have to sit there and be intentional with the relationship and say, no, I want to know you. So who are you? You didn't have to do that. But by doing that and showing that intent, it really it spoke loud to, to the heart. So it spoke loud to my soul and said, here's some people who really generally or gen care about me. And that's, that's a shock for a lot of people. Um, especially, you know, guys like you and I, <laughs> I would say you and I, but you know, because we kind of have that all together. We're the guy, the, the go-to guy. Hey, the guy with the mustache, go ask him the question. He'll take care of it. <laughs> no, but I think generally, you know, I, I had that strong feeling where, I'm always the guy that, that has the answer, but when someone's interested in me, I'm like, wow, wait a minute here. How do I respond to that? Um, it's like being given a compliment. It, it, if you don't get them very often, you don't know what to say. You're like, uh, uh th thank you. I don't know how to respond to this. So that is just so amazing that, you know, but there's so many great things that can happen when you step up and you step out of that comfort zone and you just answer with sincerity you know when you just truly want to know someone with no expectation you want to get that information out you want to just sit there and build that relationship and be intentional yeah man. <clears throat> couldn't agree more i think bringing that that attitude of gratitude into everything you do not looking at it like all right let me sit through this phone call and listen to what this dude's got to say about his life so i can get on and just spew the <laughs> things that i want to talk about but being grateful for the opportunity to listen to what else someone has going on in their life. Uh, like so many of us approach so many situations and conversations where all we want to do is just listen until the other person stops talking. So we can just inject whatever we want to get off our chest and be hurt. And I think when you can take a step back and just be grateful for the opportunity to connect with another human, like we gloss over that so fast that there is another person who is willing to invest their time hearing what we have to say and sharing their life with us. And we just walk right on by. We don't stop and understand, man, that's a, this person is sharing their life with you. Like we only get 24 hours in a day and tomorrow is not promised. The rest of today isn't promised either. So for me to spend this time here with you right now, I am grateful of the opportunity. I'm grateful for your time. You changed your entire day schedule. You planned for this for weeks to be able to be here and spend this time with me to have this conversation, to be vulnerable, to be transparent. And for me not to honor that by not giving you the attention and the respect and the courtesy of listening to what you have to say and genuinely caring about what it is you're actually telling me, the words coming out of your mouth to let them go in my ear and into my heart. It's just crazy. And I'm so grateful for the, for you and for this opportunity for the, for, you know, just your friendship in general, you know, that, that intentional time is so meaningful. And, you know, for those to be hearing this podcast, uh, you know, look for those people in your life that you need to spend that intentional time with. Go out and seek that intentional relationship. I know I've experienced so much growth uh, in my own life by taking an active listening uh, approach. You know, instead of always being the guy that has to be heard and always being the guy with the story, listening to other people with the story, listen to what they bring to the table. And you'll be so surprised at sometimes how similar they are or how different they are. But there's almost always a lesson to be learned. And so much growth happens. It might not be, oh, I learned just from their situation. But just sitting there and actively listening and being intentional will help you in your, in your own walk, in your own journey. And not saying just go out and listen to people just so you can better yourself. <laughs> but it helps so many other people's lives along the way. So just... 
you know, understanding that that perspective and those different points of views and being intentional with with listening and active listening and means so much to so many people. And I, I never really got that until just recently. I used to be that guy that was when, when's my time turn to talk. And, you know, you just get so much more from 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 people who generally care. And to be that person. Wow. <laughs> You're you're one of the guys for me right yeah. there. <laughs> one of the few yeah. one of the few in my yeah. life that I know generally care about what I have to say. It doesn't fall on deaf ears, you know. And I appreciate you for it. I appreciate that. You too, brother. And you know, I think it's one of those things that really multiplies out. You know, I I say a lot. People want to feel loved, seen, heard, and appreciated. And when people feel those things, especially when they feel heard, then they have capacity to hear other people, to see other people. And, you know, there's so many people who are walking around who don't feel loved, seen, heard, and appreciated that all they want to do is just spew out their story so someone will hear them. And the more people can just activate and turn on and feel loved, seen, heard, and appreciated themselves, the more capacity we build to hear other people. And, you know, it gets to this point where we can start and again, stand up as Lighthouse as a possibility and be those people for, for somebody else, right? If we can be those people, you start to change the, the direction of the tide. Like there's so many people out there who are just living a subpar life because they don't feel loved, seen, heard, or appreciated. They feel like they're in it alone, that they just, they're pissed off at the world or, or they don't have the opportunity that they need, but they're missing that connection. They're missing the person who's going to make them feel like that. And, I, and one of the other things I'll say is a lot of people don't understand self-confinement, like solitary confinement is a punishment in prison. Okay. When you're in prison, which is already punishment, the only level up from there is to put you by yourself. But how many people are walking around in living in solitary confinement? They don't have the relationships. They don't feel seen, heard, loved, or appreciated. But they're just pissed off, or they're resentful, or they're just ho-humming through life, or living this subpar existence, not living in their possibility or what they're capable of doing. But it takes people to stand up and make them feel loved, seen, heard, appreciated. But you know, look, it, it's, it's, it takes work, man, but we can't get away from does. it. Definitely does. You know, to be loved, seen, heard, and appreciated, it, it reaches people on so many levels. One of the, one of the things that my wife and I had talked about, uh, during this last move was why are we at where we're at? And one of the, one of the things that, that we had discussed was, well, what is, what is uh, the instructions that we have from God? And that's love, you know, Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he also had said, love, love your neighbor as yourself. And how better to show somebody that your intent is to love on them and to love your neighbor than to something as simple as knowing a name. You brought it up in the beginning to be able to have someone's name that you can connect with. Hey, I met a, a Jay Lewis, you know. <laughs> There's so much in a name. And to show someone that you remember their name. Is huge. So in this neighborhood that we've just moved into, we're seeking, uh, we're making it an intent to know our neighbors, to literally go out and knock on the neighbor's door, find a reason to go talk to them and know their name. And then the next time we see them, we can say, oh, hi, George. Oh, hi. Hi, Jim. Hey, Susie. How you doing? You know, hey, how, how you been? And start talking and open that up. That allows them to feel loved, seen, heard. And by doing that, you're loving your neighbor. You're opening up those conversations and they get to see you as that lighthouse of, of God's light and not just a tugboat that 
pulls a neighborhood along. So you, you can sit there and say, yeah. hey, here's where we're at, you know? But that's something 100%. that we're intentionally doing is going out. We actually made a chart, too. <laughs> so we got a little, 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 little square chart for all our neighbors around us so we can write their names in. So we can get that in our mind. Hey, that's the neighbor. Oh, that's them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be intentional, you know? Smart, man. Might be weird, but it's smart. <laughs> so I got two questions for you. Um, question number one, you got one piece of advice to give to someone else, something that has been impactful for you, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, one piece of advice. I would say, open your heart to what God has in store for you and let him go to work. Don't try to hold on. Don't try to control everything yourself, but also take action. So I think that would be the number one thing for me is just open your heart to God, let him take control, and then you take action. I love it. Final question. What's your favorite kind of cake? Oh, my favorite kind of cake. Yeah. Angel food cake. That's it right there. Angel food cake. That's my favorite. I absolutely love it. That's 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 the one that's hard for me to say no to. That's when I have to kill my flesh. If it's not cake day, then it's it's kill my flesh. I, I got to say no. But it, other than that, it's cake time. All right. Good to know, man. So... Uh, listen, man, this has been impactful for me. I've taken so many gems of this and I'm, I'm truly hoping that whoever's listening to this is doing the same. Um, I just want to honor you again for taking the time out of your day to spend with me, uh, to again, be vulnerable, transparent, and just share some of your life with me with everyone here. Uh, it truly does mean a lot and I honor you for that. So thank you. And uh, I'd be crazy not to also say thank you for your service for our country and for you know protecting the freedoms that we do enjoy. So thank you. You're welcome. And I appreciate it. Thank you for your support. And it's been an honor to be able to sit here and just have this conversation uh that we you know a conversation like you and i usually have um but to be able to let others hear and get that little tidbit of the knowledge that's passed between two men just sitting here opening their hearts and being impactful with each other and those around them thank you for the opportunity i appreciate you jim my pleasure brother appreciate you too see you brother